All right, hey, I want to receive the tithing offering today. If you need a tithing offering envelope, raise your hand up real high. One of these ushers will help you. I want to speak to you out of Proverbs, the third chapter. I have been uh, speaking on Wednesday nights periodically about the power of one of the last great horizons. You know, the Bible says that the wealth of the sinners laid up for the just. I know a lot of people say, oh, I just don't need that. I know, I know you don't, I know. You're not smarter than God. And I want to tell you something. It takes money to preach the gospel. And I mean it takes money. Do not think that it doesn't take money. It takes lots of money to preach the gospel. Now, it doesn't to attend, you know, a group of 15 or 20 people. But if you're going to go to the world, it costs money. Now, in Proverbs, the third chapter, it says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. In all of thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Now be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil, and it shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Now honor the Lord with thy substance and with the firstfruits of thine increase. So shall your barns be filled with plenty and thy wine presses shall burst forth with new wine. The reason that evil abounds is because righteousness does nothing. In other words, we have so many evil doorways into our world is because the righteous has not taken advantage of those doors. When television first came out, it was of the devil. Until about 15 years later, Oral Roberts became one of the first evangelists that was on television. After that, Rex Humbard, and then it began. And then television stations rose up that were Christian stations. And instead of just expanding and taking over the entertainment world, all they did was seek to entertain the church. And it worked, except now the church is bored. And now the world is dominated with over 568 or 69 channels that come into our households and we pay for them and we invite corruption into our world. Now the reason that did that is because righteous people complained and did nothing. In other words, we always play the foolish part and we always pick up after the world scraps. That is because we are not operating in wisdom. Now, the Bible tells us that we need to be wise, and the wisdom of the Lord will deliver from hell's plans beneath. In other words, God gives us wisdom. Now, the wisdom of God does attend to be foolishness to people. People think that it's foolish. People think that we're saps because we honor the Lord with 10% or our first fruits. I've even had Christians tell me, well, you're a sucker. Well, you know what? I don't think I'm a sucker. I think I'm a wise man. Because, see, I honor the Lord with my substance and with the first fruits of my increase. Therefore, God becomes my sustainer and my multiplier. He increases that which I put my hands to. Now, some would call that foolish, but the Bible calls that wisdom. And I'd much rather be on the side of wisdom than I would to be on the side of the foolish. 
And so today, as we have this opportunity to be wise. Now, I will tell you, I didn't, wasn't always a tither. I doubted tithing, and so I didn't do it. But when I built my faith out of the scriptures and out of a relationship with God, out of worship and out of service to the Lord, over years, I became a tither. And now I understand that I couldn't live without a tithe. I could not live without God being my substance and my sustainer, the one that multiplies, the one that fills my barns and my places. I could not do that. So I became a tither because I believed in the wisdom of God. And I would encourage us all to be wise stewards of what God has given us so that we can break into this frontier of having the wealth of the sinner put into the hands of the just so that we can do what God wants us to do. Amen? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we bought every television network, put Hugh Hefner on the unemployment line, Yep, that's where he needs to be. He, he has what God wishes we would have got a hold of, but there wasn't any wise people, there wasn't anybody that had any gumption. All they did was complain and murmur, and the world got it, and now millions are in hell because we were foolish. Now it's time for the body of Christ to rise up and get wise and extract what the wicked has and allow it to come into the hands of the just. Could I get an amen? I was talking to a, a friend of mine the other day. He's in another country. I was talking to him, and he said, hey, I, I uh, had this testimony come to me, and I said, what was it? He said, uh, this woman came to this pastor friend, he said, that I've got in uh, Nigeria, and she came to him. She said, Pastor, I'm so tired of having nothing, so I've brought everything I own today. I brought everything, every dime, every penny, anything that is in my home, I've brought it to you today. I have to keep my clothes on, but I give you everything that I, that I own. I give it to you. Either God's going to be God or he's just not going to be God. But I can't live in the middle of nothing. And I thought, what a crazy woman. And he said, so the pastor said, what do you want? And she said, I have a home, but I need a car. She said, I, I have children. I can't go any place to do anything. And he said, well, what kind of car would you want? And she was, he was writing this down. She said, a brand new uh, whatever size Mercedes. That would be nice. And he said, that's what you want? She said, yes. And he said, okay, give me all your stuff. He took all of her stuff, and he said, and she just went on her way. And the pastor said, you know, God, I don't know if she's crazy or she's got faith, but I'm not her keeper. You are her shepherd. So this man proceeded to tell me this story that this pastor is telling him of this woman that was in his church. And uh, so, like the next two or three days, she went to the BMW dealer there in Nigeria. And she went in, and she was looking, and of course, the salesman thinking, lady, you, you got dirty clothes on. You, you don't even look like you have enough to get a bus fare. Doesn't look like you're going to be able to do anything. What are you doing in our establishment? This is for well-off people. Well, she just looked and looked. As she was going out the door, a man had just pulled up.
and he was walking towards the door and he stopped and he said, ma'am, I don't know how to tell you this. He said, but I just bought this brand new BMW, 100,000 American dollars. He said, but God just told me that I never bought it for myself, but I bought it for you. And here are the keys, and we can step inside and finish the paperwork. And I said, that did not happen. He said, listen, he said, Brother Peter, I'm telling you. He said, I'm telling you what the pastor told me and what this woman testified when she drove that big Mercedes to church. You know, now who was the fool and who was the wise woman? I'd say she was a wise woman. Amen. Listen, believe God. Let God be your source. Let, he be, let him be your sustainer. He'll not fail you. But let's set things in motion that the wealth of the sinner can come into the house of the just so that we can do what God has called us to do. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for this time of giving and tithing. We get to express our faith to you, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Stand your feet and bring your tithing offering unto the Lord. nothing outside except sunshine and relaxation so ain't nothing hallelujah if you would turn your bibles today to ephesians 2 4 through 8 we have taken like a three-week break into our from our teaching about the holy ghost today i want to talk to you about grace but not alone i heard a preacher the other day on the radio and he was preaching, he had three or four campuses, and he said, uh, you know, we are a people that come together, and it doesn't matter our backgrounds or our beliefs. We are just coming together with a hope of something of the future. 
And this hope doesn't cost you anything. You just come and we find it together. Now, there were a lot of holes in that. Number one, doesn't matter your background, doesn't matter what you're doing, who you're believing in. We just want you to be a part of our assembly. And I thought, this must be another doorway to hell. Well, oh, I'm sorry for you visitors. I didn't mean to, but it's a God's truth. We are saved by grace. The entirety of God's redemptive plan is based upon grace. But it's not grace alone that saves a man. Grace is the past work of God. That's what grace is. It is the past work of God on the behalf of people that have no hope, that are powerless, and that were helpless without him. They were separated from God, thus they were bound by sin and dominated by Satan. Therefore, they could not redeem themselves. Therefore, it necessitated that God do something beyond what man could do for himself. So what is grace? Grace is God doing something for man because man could not do it for himself. Ephesians 2.4 says this, But God, who is rich in mercy, and his great love wherewith he hath loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace to his, of his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. And then it says this, for by grace ye are saved through faith. And that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works least any man should boast. Here we have an example of what faith is, uh, grace is. Grace is made up of two elements. One is mercy. Mercy is God's desire. It is his character that no man suffer for wrong. Isn't that amazing that even though we know that God judges people and, and that God is going to hold people accountable, you reject God, then he has a place for you. It's called an eternal hell. But in this, it's not God's will, no matter what you do, it's not his will that you suffer any repercussions for your sin. That is the merciful hand of God. And that's why salvation is unto all. Even those that blaspheme and curse and rail against God, it's God's will that they still escape judgment. And then the other part of grace is his boundless, immeasurable love. It takes both to create grace. And it's those two fibers that cause grace to be poured out upon men. Now, remember, grace is a past tense work of God. Past tense work of God. So, in Ephesians, grace is made up of the two. And there, these two are also the motivations of the activity of God. The Bible says in John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave. Love never observes the condition of another individual without responding or 
reaching forward or becoming involved. Silent, activeless love is simply a deception. Could have get an amen. And then it says in Matthew 9, 27, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus went by, they cried this, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy upon us. Mercy has to do with compassion in action or a desire that every man escape wherever he is no matter the reason that he's there. That's the compassionate Christ. And God's compassion is endless. And so we have the love of God that is a motivator and we have compassion or mercy that is a motivator. As soon as they cried out, have mercy upon us, Jesus stopped and he said, bring them here. And he asked, what would you have me do unto you? Now they never cried, give us love, never cried, heal us, never cried. They cried out for mercy because they understood that sickness and disease was not of God. The enemy had afflicted them and whether they had done everything right or not, they knew that a merciful God would deliver them despite their own undoing. And so it is love and mercy that creates grace, but it's love and mercy that are the two motivators that produce grace. Now, what is grace? It is God's willingness to do for you and I what we can't do for ourselves. Come on, do you understand that? We couldn't save ourselves, so God sends a lamb to die for the sins of the world. Now, it is also a past tense deed. In other words, grace has already been done or you couldn't be saved by it. Amen. I mean, that, that's pretty typical, right? You couldn't be saved by something that didn't exist. So grace is a past tense act. Grace is to be extended to every man and every woman. It says we are saved by grace. And then if you'll turn your Bibles to Romans 10 and verse 8, I'm just establishing some things and I, because what I'm headed for is the unveiling of what God really wants for your life and what he's done for you by grace. By grace. Now, grace is not, certainly, is not an invitation to do whatever you want to do and God become blind or exempt you from the reward or the wages of sin. Grace is not that. Don't even go there with me. I don't believe that. And I do not believe that grace is effective without faith. Right? If everybody was saved by grace, that's universalism. That means that there is no personal obligation for man to acknowledge, to trust in, and to call upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there is no salvation like this. I was in a service uh, Sunday, no, Monday night, and uh, there was this young man there. I said, are you a Christian? He said, no, I'm a Muslim. I said, ain't that a sad fact? I said, Muhammad's still dead. He couldn't help himself, and you serving him. Jesus said he's the Savior. Muhammad said, doesn't even acknowledge that he's the Savior. He says that he's an equal prophet with Christ, yet he's dead and in a tomb. And so I just started rattling off scriptures, and finally I said, and so you understand that Muhammad is a liar because all they that have come before me or after me and preach any other gospel except that which I preach, let them be accursed. 
And so I preached this, and of course it's kind of, it's not hard to preach to a Muslim after you've seen blind eyes open and stuff like that. I mean, what are they going to say? Right. Well, right, you're absolutely right. And so we have to understand that grace has been poured out upon all men and women. But grace without faith is simply God's will unfulfilled. Yep. Now, Romans 10, 8, it says this. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thine heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Why do we have to have faith? You can't be saved by grace only. You cannot be saved by faith only. You can't do it. The gospel is nil and void if you do not need faith. If it's just grace, then why is judgment involved? Why is truth a necessity? Why is obedience required? Why is anything required if it's just by grace? No, it's by grace through faith. And faith is connected to an obedient application of truth. That's what faith is. And so when people just say, oh, it's just all by grace. No, it's not all by grace. If it was by grace, faith is not necessary. Right? Somebody help me with a grunt. Come on. If you don't need faith, if you're just saved by grace, then faith is not of a necessity. You don't have to hear anything. You get to do what most people think grace is when they don't think that it requires anything. They do what they want. You've heard this, and I hate to say that lots of preachers say this. Well, you know, we're all headed to the same place. Now, you might be going to hell, but I'm not. I'm headed for heaven. I'm not going where the Buddhists go. I'm not going where the Hindu go. I'm not going where the Muslim go. I'm not going where, where cults go. I'm not going to hell. I am going to heaven. We're not headed the same way. There is a door that you have to walk through that no man can come unto God except by Jesus Christ. And if you don't go through that way, it doesn't matter how sincere you are, you are going to sincerely be entombed in a place called hell where there is no escape. I don't know why Christians are so afraid of that. Oh, you offend people. Let them all be offended. Who cares? You don't live for them. You are not in a, uh, a place that you are being voted into heaven. I'd rather side with God than have a million devils on my side. Come on, let's believe what God has said about us. Amen? And if God said it's by grace through faith, that is a way that it is. Oh, gosh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All right, next verse. I'm sorry. And it says this. That is, preach this. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be what? Saved. Is there any other way to be saved? No. None. Next verse. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, 
And with the mouth, confession is made unto what? Next verse. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For therefore there is no difference between Jew and the Greek. The same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Who is the name of the Lord? Jesus. There is no other way. Come on, there is no other way. I'm not trying to be divisive. I'm not trying to be dogmatic. But if I am both, so be it. So be it. Let it all be. So be it. But I'm not going to buy into a lie of social acceptance over the gospel requirements to an eternal life with God in Christ. Not going to do it. Well, they're just ignorant. So was I. But if they know you, they should have heard the gospel. If they've known me, they have heard the gospel. Amen. Oh, well, they aren't that way, really. I got pulled off of an airline in uh, London and thrown into a booth, and the guy said, uh, oh, I see you have, have a Bible. I said, yeah. He said, you know everything in it is a lie. I, and Eric told me, Pastor, we have got to go. I was on a, or I would have jumped up and said, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll show you the death of a liar. But I didn't. But if you think that they're nice, get out of your little quandary and go meet people that really have faith in action. Because if they believe what they believe, they do think that you are believing a lie. And Jesus is not a liar. He is the absolute truth. Amen. Hallelujah. So we are saved by grace through what? Faith. Absolutely. Through faith. And so here it tells us that we have to have faith in order to be saved. Now, let's go to Hebrews 4, 1 through 2. Now, 2 Peter 3, 9 says this, that God's not slack concerning the way that people count slackness, but it says he's not willing that any should perish. In other words, grace is available to everybody. But whether God's will comes to pass or not, is totally up to your faith. Amen. God has made provision by grace. Now it's required of man that he use faith. Amen. It is not all God and it is not all man. Amen. Now in Hebrews 4.1 it says this, Let us therefore fear, least a promise of us of, of entering in to his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it somebody say there is a rest what is the rest the rest is the completed work of grace Amen. how do you enter into that rest next verse will tell us it says this for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them somebody say them Amen. talking about old testament people but the word preach did not profit or accomplish what it was sent for. In other words, God's will never came to pass because it was not mixed with faith in them that heard it. Now, did God provide the gospel? Yes. yes. What is the gospel? It is a past tense revelation of God's willingness to do for man what he can't do for himself. See, man could not save himself right 
So what did God do? God sent forth his son, made of a woman, to redeem them that were under the law. Galatians 4, 1 through 4. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son for the simple fact that whosoever would believe would not, be, would not perish. Now, God's will is that people be saved. The cross is what? An operation of grace. Somebody say grace. You could not send his son to the cross. You could not die on the cross and still live righteously. But Jesus came and did it for you. That's the activity of grace. God did something for you that you couldn't do for yourself. But notice that no matter what God wants to accomplish at the cross through the gospel, it cannot happen without faith. Somebody say faith. In them that heard it. So God unveils the gospel's grace, but it requires faith from the individual hearing. Now, if you don't mix faith with, the gospel, with grace, grace will not profit you. Somebody say it won't work. It won't work because it requires faith. So here we see the promises of God the gospel of God, the demonstration or the unveiling of what God was going to do at the cross, grace on the behalf of man is going to be accomplished. But it requires faith in order for it to profit the individual. Could I get an amen? Now remember that the man, the two blind men, they cried out, have mercy on us. Would they have been saved, I mean healed, if they had not called? Are you sure? You're sure? Do you think they would have been saved if they, if, or healed if they had not called out? They wouldn't have. Would it have been the grace or the will of God for them to be healed? Sure. Why? Who was Jesus? We beheld the word being made flesh, and in him was what? Grace and truth. Jesus was grace personified or put into a physical body. And any time that you wanted grace to do something for you that you couldn't do on your own, all you had to do was use your faith. But Jesus walked by, we think he healed everybody in Israel. No, he didn't. He walked by thousands of people. He walked by that guy at the gate beautiful for three years. Never did get healed. But Peter walked by and said, hey, hey, man, hey, I noticed you ain't got that, that uh, uh, teacher guy with you. Uh, you know, yeah, you got any change? He said, no. All right, so we understand that Jesus walked by hundreds of people because they never called. And it takes faith to apprehend grace. Amen? So when the man cried out, have mercy on us, what was he doing? He was saying, grace, respond to me. That's what he was asking. He was asking for grace to do something. Now, so many would like for us to think that the will of God or the promises of God will come to pass 
no matter what we do. No, that's faith. It's not faith. Faith believes that whatever the gods would desire, faith is a byproduct of mythology. See, we say, well, you know, whatever God wants. Really? Well, it's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come into repentance. How many sinners do you know that have died in the last five years? Well, so there, God's will is not coming to pass. Either God's sleeping, God's slumbering, or he needs to hire some new workers. You know, but that type of foolish thinking keeps people bound and lost and separated from God's will. Come on. We think, well, well, your faith just can't do anything. I don't know. Anything is possible to those that believe. I don't know. Maybe that was just a lie or a slip of God's tongue. I don't know. What do you think it was? I think it was the truth. Now, and so we have to make sure that we just don't get caught up into these statements that really mean nothing. Let's turn to uh, John, the 11th chapter, and verse 20. This is a great story about Lazarus. Come forth. All right, and it says this. Now, Jesus has waited, and Lazarus has croaked. He died. He gave up the ghost. Four days ago, he's getting ready to stink. Then Martha, as soon as she heard of Jesus coming, went in and met him, but Mary was still in the house. Then Martha uh, said, Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou had been here, my brother had not died. Now I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus said unto her, thy brother shall rise again. Here comes a voice of compromise. Martha said unto him, oh, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Wait, wait a second. You just told me that whatever I asked the father, he would do. And I told him, okay, he's going to raise. And she's saying, well, yeah, I know, but, you know, don't get too fanatical. Let's just, you know, push this off until the resurrection of all the people. All right, next verse. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet he shall live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? And she said to him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. Now, remember what Jesus is. He is grace and truth personified. When you've seen me, you've seen the will of the Father. You have seen God in motion, right? All right. Then she said unto him, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which shall come into the world. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. Well, not only this woman, she's lying. This is what she, wow, anyway. And as soon as she heard that, she rose up quickly and came unto him. And Jesus was not yet coming into the uh, town and was in that place where Martha met him. Then the Jews, which were with her, in the house and comforted her when they saw mary that she arose and went hastily went out followed her saying she goeth to the grave to weep there and when mary was come where jesus was 
and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. And when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, the Jews also weeping in which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, Where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. And, the, and then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man which had opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this dead man should not have died? And therefore Jesus again groaning in himself cometh to the grave, it was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. And said, Take ye away the stone, Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto them, Lord, by this time he stinks, and he hath been dead for four days. And Jesus said to her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe that thou shouldest see the glory of God? And they take away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of these people which stand by, I said that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot, with grave clothes, and his face was bound with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. Loose him and let him go. Too many times we as Christians think just like Mary and Martha, that when something is done, it's too late for God to undo. They kept saying, Well, we know, we know. In other words, they were saying, we don't believe what you're saying. We don't believe what you're saying. We don't believe what you're saying. Jesus says, Father, I thank you that thou hast heard me. Where do you think Jesus had been? I bet he was praying at the same place that you and I have got access to. Hebrews 4, 16, the throne of grace. Wow. He was about to do something that no man could do. He'd been to the throne of grace and God had given him grace and mercy in his time of need. I'm telling you, Christians, we are living in a place where we are not allowing Jesus to speak to us. He talks to us, but we rephrase what he's saying. He says something, but we redefine it and recategorize it so it looks like we have faith, but really we're just filled with unbelief. We're all a bunch of Marys and Marthas not believing that God could do anything. Only what we perceive to be doable. Isn't he the God of the impossible? Hasn't salvation proved that God is not limited by the effects and the work of man? Doesn't God himself tell us that he's translated us from death unto life? Why do we always try to redefine or refocus or change things up to look like a testimony? No, just say it's dead. But grace through faith 
can turn the situation around. Come on, hallelujah. I think that we ought to quit being like Mary and Martha and all the Jews. Well, couldn't he do? Couldn't he do? Yeah, he could. How about we start going and asking people like one of the multitudes that was fed. Hey, why don't we stop by J. Iris' house and say, hey, you, you, you were dead, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who raised you from the dead? Jesus. Oh, get out of here. You're kidding. No, no, it was Jesus. How about one of the disciples on the ship? Did Jesus really calm the storm? Yeah, it was just a whisper. How about the woman's son of Nain that was dead and he stopped? No, no, right here's enough. And he raised him from the dead. Widow, did he really raise your son? Yes. And the stories could go on and on and on. But let's not talk to the Marys and the Marthas that surround the places that it looks like there's no hope in our life. Let's bypass them and let's go right to the source of those that know, not the source of those that are hoping in the end to know. Could I get an amen? It's time for you and I to realize that grace is a past operation of God, and in that grace God has provided and met every one of our needs. What is a promise but a proclamation of God's past tense work? On your behalf that's what a promise is what is a promise it is a statement of grace waiting for faith to be breathed into it that's it how simple is that yet we always want to go by the tombs of those that have heard nothing how about the great truth the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want. Oh, but I've tried that. No, no, make him shepherd. Don't let that Mary and Martha devil get in your head. Amen. Remember, that, that voice started all this stuff anyway. Got us thrown out of the garden. Don't give too much credence to those high-pitched voices. Of course, you're married like me. Hey, get in here. Oh, oh, God. All right, now, Listen. The Bible says, David said, I'm old, but I've been young. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor a seed begging for bread. Amen. Now, how about listening to the testimonies of those that are defying God as the God of grace and mercy? Let's believe God on that. Let's not walk through this life looking at the cross and thinking. He said he saved others. I wish he could save me. No, Jesus is the God of our salvation. Amen? Amen. Now, once grace has, begin, has been given, it's no longer up to God. Now it's up to you. God will not intervene where grace has already provided. Amen. Go to 2 Corinthians 12, 7. 2 Corinthians 12, 7. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth, his second letter to them. And it says, And least I should be exalted of measure 
through the abundance of the revelations. There was given unto me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of who? Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Now let's stop right there. What exalts Paul above a mere man of learning? Revelation knowledge. Where does revelation knowledge come from? It comes from God. Now here it says that the messenger of thorn in the flesh was given to him, and it was a messenger of the devil. Well, you know, God sometimes uses a devil. What Bible are you reading? Please pray tell when you found the covenant of God and the devil in cahoots to make you obedient. Could I get an amen from somebody? It irks me. When the, when the people are given the devil credit for working with God. What is wrong with people? He is the enemy of your soul. Amen. All right, let's go to verse 8, next verse. And it says, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, three times, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, Forget you, I'm going to teach you something. Me and the devil's got an agreement. You're so hard-hearted and hard-hearted, I can't, or hard-minded, I can't get through to you. I've tried everything, but I'll tell you what, I finally... Look to the devil. He's smarter than me, and I figured he could get you to do something. And so him and I are in cahoots, Paul. Hallelujah. What's that say? My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, Paul says, now that I understand, I would rather glory in my weaknesses and my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. In other words, you might not be able to do it, but the grace of God provides a strength for you to overcome. Amen. What God says is, Paul, you're coming to me for something that I don't possess. I've given you my grace. I've given you my grace. Now, I've already evaluated, already laid it out before you ever got in this fight. It's sufficient. What was Paul getting out? What was God getting out of Paul? Faith. Faith. Somebody say faith. faith. Now, I know that faith gets, oh, well, you know everybody preach about faith. Well, how do you get saved? By faith. Yeah. What, what is wrong with basic faith? Believing what the Bible said and doing it. Amen? And then it says this. My grace is sufficient for thee because it's made perfect in weakness. In other words, when we ran, run into weaknesses, Randy, guess what? There is a promise someplace that will transform your weakness to cause you to be strong enough to overcome. Next verse. And it says, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities in reproaches, in necessities, in persecution, distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I So now, if this messenger was sent and Paul was weak, but in his infirmities he became strong, then when the devil attacked, he no longer remained weak. He became strong. Could I get an amen? 
this is a messenger from the devil. This has nothing to do with God. Where in the world did the English language lose all of its common sense? This is a messenger from the devil. Oh, that doesn't really mean that. What does it mean, oh great one? It means just what it said. Amen? What does Paul, God point Paul to? Somebody say grace. Grace. So that he can use his faith. Now, Paul says this, I am what I am. 1 Corinthians 15, 10. I am what I am by the grace of God. Somebody say, by the grace of God. Now, the grace of God is made available to everybody, Jim. God's not a respected person. You can be anything that God says that you can be in Christ if you mix faith with the promise. Now, okay, quick, let's, let's go to Philemon. And since you're hungry, I'm sure you're saying filet mignon, but you're not. Philemon. One, and let's look at verse six. We're going to quickly run through this here. And it says this, being confident of this very thing. Oh, that's Philippians 1, 6. Philemon. There you go. That girl's hungry. Right before the book of Hebrews. Right after Titus. There you go. That the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the knowledge of every good thing which is in you, which is in Christ Jesus. The word communication means that if you're going to have any fellowship, walk in association with, be a partner with, or if you're going to live in the office of sonship and have evidence of your identity, you will have to make a declaration of what God has done for you. Go back to verse 6. There you go. Then the word effectual means active. In other words, your faith, John, will never be active unless you start acknowledging something that God has said about you. In other words, grace will just lie dormant until you mix faith with it. Just lie dormant. But when you start confessing or saying what God has said about you, the grace that can save you, redeem you, deliver you, prosper you, make you whole, make you healthy, lift you up, transform you. That's what the word salvation means. If you want to be saved by grace, you've got to mix faith. Amen? Amen? All right. Now, all you have to do, if you want to be associated to walk in the sonship of what God has done for you through Christ and make it effectual or active, active, not just be dead grace, but active grace, you have to mix faith with it, David. You've got to mix faith with it. Didn't Abraham have the promise 25 years before he activated it? Absolutely. All right. Let's think about some of these things. Remember that this is a fight of faith. It's not a fight of your will. Not a fight of your great diligence or temperance. You are no match for the devil. And you're no match for sin. Now the Bible says, liken yourself dead unto sin. Then it talks to us about that we are no longer servants of sin and sin shall not have dominion over you. Now if I was dealing with something... Now, God has just given me a promise, David. 
Peter, reckon yourself dead unto sin. Reckon yourself dead unto sin. And when sin comes, realize that it has no power over you. It has no dominion over you. You are not subject to sin. And I say to you, because you are dead, sin will not have dominion over your members. Amen. Now, that is a promise. Somebody say a promise. Now, that is, seems impossible, John, to anybody that's sitting here. But it's not impossible to grace. It's not impossible to grace. What if you got up every morning and said, I just want to let you know, sin, you will have not dominion over me today because God has reckoned me dead with Christ. Oh, well, I'm trying to die. Why don't you quit dying, trying to die and let grace accomplish it? Amen. See, I am crucified with Christ. I'm not Amen. trying to be crucified. I am. I am dead in Christ Jesus. Amen. I am dead to sin. Amen. I am dead to the lust of the flesh. I am dead to the desire of the mind. I am dead to Satan's plans, schemes, and uh, programs. I am dead. See, I'm alive in Christ. The life that I live, I now live by faith in one Christ Jesus. Amen. But if I'm all going, well, I'm crucifying myself, I'm crucifying myself. Well, you know what? That's not a work of grace at all. That's a work of yourself. Come on, Pastor, preach. Amen. I look just just say what the Bible said. Put faith with grace. Amen. It, it's simple. Be strong in the Lord. Start saying, God, I'm strong in the Lord. When I'm weak, God supplies strength to me. I can do all things through Christ Amen. Jesus. Amen. What about Colossians 1 9? That you walk worthy. Of your calling. Why don't you start saying, God, I thank you today. I've been strengthened by the Holy Ghost. That I'm walking worthy of the vocation that you've called me into today. Amen. That, God, I will not go to the right or to the left. But, God, I will walk in the counsels of the Almighty God. God, I will lift up my hands when they seem weak, God. And I shall receive strength from the heaven. I am enrobed and enthroned and positioned with Christ Jesus. I'm not trying to get to heaven. I've been seated there. I've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness. I'm seated in, the, in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The armor of God is up on me. Hallelujah. I am strong in the Lord. I am able to fight and overcome all the wiles of the devil. Quit talking about you trying to get victory and take your faith and mix it with the victory that's already been given by God. Right, Peter? Jesus said to me today, before you were here, said, tell Ben, the devil hath desired to sift him like wheat. But I have prayed for him. When he comes through it, he'll come through without a smell of smoke. He'll come through with no tinge of flames. He'll come through it and then let him proclaim the victory that I've given him so that many will come and be converted by that which has happened to Ben. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Listen to me. I'm telling you, we, are, we just are not living by faith at all. We are like them 12 spies that went over there. Oh, but they can do this, they can do that. God said, I'll tell you what, what you say in my ears, number 1426, I'll bring up on your life. He'll do it in the negative and he'll do it in the positive. Nobody got to go into the promised land except Caleb and 
and uh, yeah, what's that other guy's name? Joshua. Why? Because they spoke of grace. We can do it if God be for us. Let's stop just being carnally minded people trying to get somewhere with God. And how about just realize I am seated in heavenly places. He has delivered me from the kingdom of darkness. God has called me his son. He is my father. I do not fear. His ears are open to my cries. His eyes are upon me all the time. There's no place I can go. If I would stumble and even make my own bed in hell, God would show up and say, son, let's go home. Listen to me, folks. Let's start mixing faith with grace. Your salvation is all an entitlement with God through your inheritance. Every promise is yea and amen. Now, how about just living it? Every sinner that gets saved must believe God will save me. Every believer must believe God will uphold the promise because of my faith. Come on. Let's just live in the realm of grace through faith. Amen? Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, they come out against me one way and they flee seven ways. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God has put a word in my mouth and I look at the mountains that I face and I cry, grace, grace. Hallelujah. God makes my mountains flat, my valleys high. There is a voice behind me leading me and guiding me. Go this way and go that way. I'm not alone, for he created me to walk with him. Hallelujah. My thoughts are not my thoughts. They are his thoughts. My ways have been adapted, broken down and crushed that his way could be alive. I am filled with faith. I consider Christ Jesus in all that I do. Every decision comes from his direction. Every response comes from his leading. I am led of the Spirit of God because I am a son of God. He leads me and guides me. I do nothing except I hear or see my Father do it. Hallelujah. God has declared unto me, I lay hands on the sick and they do recover. I cast out devils in his name. If I drink any deadly thing, it'll not harm me. I'll speak with new tongues. These signs shall follow me because I am a believer. Hallelujah. The goodness of God goes before me. Goodness and mercy, they follow me all the days of my life. In the midst of mine enemies, there is a great table of provision before me. God leads and guides me that I will lay down in green pastures and I will beside, lie beside still waters. God anoints me every day afresh. He anoints my head. My cup continually runs over for he is the shepherd of my life and he is the Lord of my life and I want nothing 
and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, forever. Hallelujah. Father, I loose. God, let this be impregnated in them, God. Let him, God, be filled with the redemptive story of the past work of grace. God, let faith rise up and be strong, be bold, unquestionably defiant of anything that the devil brings in their life. And know that grace with faith will bring the totalness of redemption and salvation. Now, God, we ask you to bless every home, every individual that's here. God, touch them and help them. Keep them from all evil, God, till we come back together.